So let's pray. There's nothing more important in the Christian's life. There's absolutely nothing more important than the Christian's life than to pray. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just so thankful that we can pray. Thank you for making it possible, for closing the gap that we had when the sin separated us from God. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for this wonderful privilege to speak directly with you, that we don't have to go via anybody else or anything else. We can come directly to you. It is such a privilege. May we never feel deprived because we have you, Lord Jesus. We can come directly to you. Lord Jesus, what a gift. There are so many beautiful gifts and spiritual blessings Help us to remember those every single day and to come to you with a thankful heart, with a humble heart, ready to learn from you and to learn from your word today. We pray in your holy and precious name. And everybody said, Amen. So prayer is just so central and so critical to the Christian life. And yet prayer is probably the thing that's most vulnerable to neglect. It's the one that's easiest to put to the side, next to perhaps picking up the word of God and reading what God is saying to us, which is a form of prayer as well. So we've got to understand that prayer and the word of God, they go together, they go hand in hand. The word of God sustains us to keep praying and to keep on praying. It goes together. And you know, prayer goes with the word of God too in that prayer enables the word of God to come alive to us, to speak to us when we interact with him. So prayer and word of God go together. They're so important in our lives. We hear this again and again. But do we understand, do we stop for a moment and say they're the things that are most vulnerable to neglect in our life and they're the things that are going to open us up to attack if we do neglect them in our life. So today we're going to look at the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is all about two things. It's about two ingredients, as Graham was saying. We have to have the right ingredients. We have to have the right ingredients. We cannot make a shield out of our own ingredients. And those two ingredients are the oil of the Holy Spirit and water of the cleansing from the word of God. If we don't have them, we don't have any shield. We're vulnerable. We're exposed. And I mean, who likes to be exposed to deception? Who likes to be conned? Who likes to be misled? Who likes to be fooled? Who likes to be tricked? All of those things can be overcome with the shield of faith based on receiving his word of God receiving his word, the word of God, and praying in the spirit. They're so essential in our daily battle. If we don't want to be fooled, if we don't want to be conned, we're going to have the right ingredients for the shield. But are we doing that? Are we conquering every day? You see, I guess one of the most expert deceivers, they're called psychopaths or sociopaths. Have you heard of them? Really nasty. I mean, our adversary in human flesh can often be called a psychopath or a sociopath. They love deceiving us. They love it to the core. And, you know, we think about serial killers as psychopaths, and, yeah, most of them probably are. 
But you know, not all psychopaths are serial killers. There's lots and lots of them that look so charming on the outside, you never guess what was going on on the inside of these people. And you know the most nastiest part of the psychopath? Yes, he's charming and yes, he's deceptive. But you know his favourite method or her favourite method is to get to us through our emotions. They know just what to say to trigger something in us. But you know, we don't have to be tricked. We don't have to be conned. We don't have to be manipulated in whatever form our adversary decides to attack us because he tells us it's the shield of faith that is going to protect you. The shield of faith, regardless what trick our adversary tries, greater is he that is in us. And that's where the shield of faith is. It's him in us than he that's in the world trying to attack us. So today, we're going to focus on how can we be continually building our shield of faith on the inside. It's oil and it's water. It's praying in the Holy Spirit. It's that beautiful ingredient of oil. And it's picking up God's word and receiving his word. That's the core of having a shield of faith that will ensure that you never have to be deceived. So we're looking at Ephesians and we're going to Ephesians 6 verse 16, which says, in addition to all of this, so we've been looking at a number of pieces of armour of God over the last couple of weeks. And now he's saying to us, Paul is saying, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Every single one. We don't have to be deceived. We don't have to be conned because every single one of those flaming arrows can be extinguished with the shield of faith. Interesting that up until this point, we've been putting on the armour of God. We've been putting on the belt of truth. We've been putting on the breastplate of righteousness. We've been putting on our shield, uh, our sandals. But now he's saying take up. And take up means receive. He's wanting us to receive something in order to be building our shield of faith. And what's he say he wants us to take up? He says he wants us to take up a shield. Now, there's two, there were two kinds of shields in Paul's day. One was this small handheld shield, the little thing that you would hang on to, but you'd have to keep hanging on to, and it depended on you to hang on to it to be protected. This was this small kind of idea of a shield. But that's not what God's talking about here. God's talking about something much, much bigger, much, much stronger and doesn't rely on you having to hold it all the time in your own strength. There's a much, much bigger idea that God has. And James is going to come and help me show you what the shield that God has in mind for us, the shield that will protect us from every single flaming arrow. From now on, when you see that word shield of faith, Throw away that little handheld thing which you have to hold on to, which depends on you being strong to hold on to it, and replace it with a door. This word, shield of faith, is a door. It is not this little handheld thing. Notice it is grounded. I can't push that over. I don't have to hold on to this. This is a totally different idea to what the devil wants you to think it is. You see, we can get conned right from the beginning. We can get tricked and misled into thinking what on earth this shield is in the first place. And you know, if it's this tiny little shield, well, it's going to get heavy and we're going to get sick of holding it. 
But this is not what God is talking about. God is talking about Adore, which is grounded and rooted in Jesus. And there's no way any flaming arrow is going to get past that shield because that shield is God. He is taking the arrows for you if you have faith in the shield. So we've got to think about this really carefully today. We've got to get rid of the old ideas that we've been conned with, that we've been misled with, and we've got to replace it with his truth. We've got to keep receiving his word. That's the water. So how do we do that? It's a shield of faith. How do we actually take up this faith? Romans 10.17 says, Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. So this great big shield... It comes by hearing the word of God. How do we do that? James says, receive. This is this idea of taking up. They're interchangeable. Ephesians says, take up the shield of faith. James is saying, receive. Same idea. We're meant to be receiving the shield of faith. We're meant to be taking up the shield of faith. And he tells us how to do it. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This idea of meekness, this idea of meekness is so important to understand. This idea of meekness is saying, do you know what? Whatever you say, God, I'm going to receive it. Whatever your word says, I'm going to receive it in a spirit of acceptance and humility. And I'm just saying, God, whatever you're saying, I'm not going to resent it. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to tell you it doesn't make sense to me. I'm not going to tell you it's not rational. I'm not going to tell you the world disagrees with you. I'm going to receive it with meekness and say, you're right. I'm learning from you, Lord Jesus. I'm submitting to you. You're not only just my saviour, you're my Lord, and you're saying this is the truth. That's the truth. I'm receiving it. And what we're doing is we're receiving it without any doubt. Because as soon as we doubt, we're not receiving with meekness. So why is it when we read the word of God, that's difficult? Why is it when we read the word of God, when we pick up his word and we start reading it, listening to his words, oh, that doesn't sound right. Could he really love me that much? Am I really going to overcome all the time? I don't know about that. Why is it that we keep doubting? What is it that causes us to doubt? I want you to think this week, how many times you logged into the internet and did a Google search? Just stop and slow down in your mind, go through the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and here we are Sunday. Think about how many times you sat in front of your computer and Googled something. You know when that irritating 80s song goes round and round in your head and you think, what is the name of that song? Name of the song. You know when you're looking for a restaurant, I want real Italian food. Where's a real Italian place? I'll Google it. Maybe I want the shortest bus route. I want to go shopping. What's the shortest way? Where is? Or Google it. Now stop and think. Who Googled something this week? I want you to put your hand up. Who Googled a question? That's a lot of people. And what do we do when we Google something? When we Google it, do we believe every single thing that we read? Or do we read it with a bit of suspicion? Do we read it going, "Mm, well, I don't know. Wikipedia, that's just a lot of people putting stuff in there. Are we looking at this information with the 
filter of doubt that says, be suspicious, just kind of believe what I'm reading. With good reason, I add. This is appropriate. But, you know, we spend so much time on the internet. We spend so much time learning to doubt what we're reading. We've got to be careful when we pick up the word of God that we recognize this is a different author here. The internet is not God talking to you unless he chooses to talk to you through the internet. But his word is talking to you and his word is the absolute 100% infallible truth. So we're going to do a switch in our head because otherwise we're likely to pick up the word of God and go, oh, maybe only some of this applies to me. Hmm, maybe this is what I think it means. Oh, maybe I'll just ditch that bit because I don't understand it or I think it seems too crazy anyway. We're going to do something about saying, who is the author of what I'm reading? I'm interacting with a holy God when I pick up his word. That doesn't happen when we Google what the 80s song is on the internet. We've got to change what we're doing. So we're going to receive with meekness, believe and understand that we're talking to and listening to and receiving from a mighty God who is a holy God who is 100% truth. So we're receiving with meekness the implanted word. This idea implanted, listen to this. It says to root something, to root itself like a seed in the heart. You know, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he says, You know, you seek to kill me because there is no place for the word in you to be planted in you. And those Pharisees and their rulers, you know, they could tell you all about the word of God. They could tell you all about scriptures. They knew it really well. But there's something different about knowing scriptures and quoting scriptures and having the word of God implanted in you. You see, the seed doesn't necessarily become implanted in you. Something has to happen. You need to exercise faith. We don't want to be just quoting scripture like the Pharisees who wanted to kill Jesus because he said, my word finds no place in you. We need to find a place for Jesus' word when we come to his word. You see, we need to receive it, not resent it, not argue with it. Believe in faith that this is God speaking to me. So how do we do that? How do we actually receive it? Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Wither means doesn't weaken or decline or fade or wane. It doesn't wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You see, it's like being a tree with its roots going way down into the ground. That's implanted word. The roots go way down into the bottom of our soul. And you stay with the word of God and you pray and you ask God, speak to me, show me, bless me, open my heart, open my eyes, implant this word in me again. Thank you, Jesus, for talking to me because he is talking to you. Don't think he's depriving you. He's not. We deprive him when we turn our back and turn the telly on instead of opening his word. 
We've got to do this again and again and again. He says day and night we do this to implant that word into us. You see, his word and his spirit is everything we need to overcome, every single trick and nasty arrow that's going to come your direction. So we need to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. We have everything we need for a shield of faith to extinguish every single flaming arrow. You have everything. You have the ingredients. But we've got to receive it. So we've got to take up that shield of faith. We've got to take up that shield of faith, which is going to extinguish every single attack that will come upon you. What does your shield of faith look like today? When you stop and think about your day-to-day life, what does your shield of faith look like? Because this is the starting point of deception. The thing that our flesh loves is the fruit. We love the feeling of assurance. We love that feeling of confidence. We love it. But you know, fruit or the flower of a plant, like this beautiful flower that was I found in my garden, this beautiful flower is gorgeous. I love natural native plants mainly because I don't have to do much to them. I can just stick them in the ground and water them and never have to worry about them ever again. And a bottle brush is beautiful. This is a beautiful flower. But what will happen in a couple of days to this flower, do you think? It'll wilt. And it'll die. And why is that? It's not connected. It's not rooted. It's not grounded. It's not connected to the plant. It's not a tree living next to the water that continues to feed. You see... This beautiful flower is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be this beautiful representation of the mighty creator. It's something that is a result of faith. It's not a means to faith. So let's just say you attend um, this fantastic camp called Teen Street Camp. And it is so good. And you are pumped. You guys were pumped when you came back. It was great. I loved it. It's a good thing. But you know, if you rely on that good feeling of assurance and security as the basis of your shield of faith, without rooting it in Jesus, without grounding it in Jesus, without praying in the Spirit and receiving his word and meditating on his word, that nice feeling that we get, from those great church camps or those great church events, they eventually die without any roots. It's like Jesus said with the parable and the sower. He said, you know, some of us can hear the word and get really excited. But you know what? It doesn't last. It wilts. If that's all it is, if it's just an emotional thing, if it's just an assurance thing, You see, assurance to faith is like a flower to a plant. We've we've got to have the roots. We've got to have the plant. 
to have the flower and to have new flowers. We've also got to continuously have faith as our roots, our faith in Jesus and his word and his spirit if we want to continue to have that assurance and security that we can walk on water too. We can't rely on the flower to provide us what we need to stand up against the devil. We'll wilt. So what else? What is another way that maybe our adversary could get us away from standing behind that door? Because, you know, there's safety and assurance behind that door and it's a permanent thing. See, if we don't go for the flower trick, then we've got another little trick that sometimes we can fall for. It looks like this. Here's my shield. I made it all by myself. Isn't it great? What do you think? These are my works. I'll rely on me. I can look after me. Actually, I'll just do some more work. In fact, I'll make it really public and then that'll protect me because God wouldn't want anything bad to happen to me because look how much I've done. Look at me and what I've done. Look at my works. Yeah, baby. But you know, Graham just quoted from God's word this morning that what are our works meant to do? They're meant to glorify God. They're not meant to be a shield of faith, faith in ourself, in our works. And you know, the problem is, This tip's pretty easy, especially when my arm gets sore. I'm going to put it down in an instant if I'm thinking, man, it's getting a bit difficult to hold on to that thing all the time. You know, God is so zealous for understanding, for us to understand, don't go to your own strengths to fight this battle. Remember Gideon? Do you remember the process that God went to, the extent he went to in terms of whittling down his army? Remember how many people Gideon started with? It was huge. It was something like 32,000 people, an army, to go and fight the Midianites. And there was something like 135,000 of them. So you've got Gideon here with 32,000 men and you've got the Midianites, 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 (laughs) those guys. 135,000 of them. So already you're out of balance. You're thinking, ah, your chances aren't too good if you believe in luck and chances. Well, we'll just look at the numbers here. Logically and rationally, 32,000 to 135,000, it's not looking good. But you know, God said to Gideon, you have too many. You have too many men. I mean, seriously? No, you've got to tell the ones that are really fearful and scared to go home. So 22,000 went home. Gideon's now left with 10,000 men. 10,000 versus 135,000. That ain't looking good, if you think about that logically and rationally and objectively. And God says, you got too many men. Too many. 10,000 is way too many to fight this battle. He says, let me give them a test in how they drink. So those ones that kneel down to the water, you can send them home. The ones that cup the water and lap it, the water... They're looking up and out the whole time when they're drinking. They can stay. Do you know how many stayed? 300. So he sent the rest home. Now God is happy. He said, yes, now you got the numbers right. 300 in your army, 
135,000. That'll be right. That'll be right. That makes sense. Do you know the only reason it makes sense is God was saying, I need to show you that it makes no sense without me. If you rely on your own strength, you're gone. You'll drown, you'll sink, you'll die. They overcame. They overcame 300 versus 135,000. But they had a shield of faith. It might have looked like a little lantern, but they had a shield of faith in God. So we've got to remember it's not in our own strength, this little shield. That's going to wilt. This is the choice God is saying. He's saying, I will supply you with the best shield. But you must say no to these shields. You must put these away. And you must receive. You must take up the shield of faith in me. Because I'm a door. And I'm grounded. You see, this, is, this doesn't make any sense at all. And to make this even more ridiculous... I want to do a little demonstration here to show you how ridiculous this is, that we think that the nice, lovely feeling that we get when we sing a nice song is going to be the basis for our shield of faith, or these wonderful things that we do can somehow protect us from the enemy. So James is going to help me with this, and he's going to do a practical demonstration that I'm thinking he's probably going to enjoy. The reason he's going to enjoy this is because he's going to do something that I suspect he'd like to do every morning when I greet him and say good morning and start singing to him, my lovely singing voice. So he's actually going to get the opportunity of a lifetime. He is going to be the one with the flaming arrows. I'm going to demonstrate to you how ridiculous it is for us to pick up this feeling of assurance. You can stand back a bit. This feeling of assurance and think this can be our shield of faith. As long as I feel close to God, a pardon? As long as I feel close to God, I'll be right. So let's test it. You can't get me. I feel close to God. Go for it, devil. You know what? It it came and it didn't help me. All right. What about all this work that I've been doing? I mean, let me tell you how many hours I've read the Bible this week and let me tell you how many people I've spoken to and how kind I've been and cookies I've baked or bought maybe for morning tea this morning. I mean, I've just done so much this week. Let's see. Righto. Oh. Oh. That worked. It's ridiculous. This doesn't work. Okay, practical demonstration number three. Just so that you change this picture in your head. Yes, this is funny. Yes, this is silly. But I want you to remember this. Every single day, get rid of the flower that's not rooted in Jesus. Get rid of your works and your own strength. It doesn't work. Choose Jesus the door. Now try. Yes! (laughs) Thank you, James. You've done well. 
So you see, we've got to have this picture in our head. We've got to get rid of the tricks and the wiles of the devil that says, here you go, that can be your shield of faith. And do you know why he does that? Because the thing that terrifies our adversary the most is faith. He knows it works. He doesn't want us behind the door. He wants to get us. You see, if we go back and look at what the Roman soldiers did, what they did is they got this big piece of leather. It was a lamb, a piece of leather. This was lamb skin. And they made this huge, big door. Maybe we should say put on the shield or put on the door of faith so we get rid of the little things and we become a door. Jesus is the door. So you have this sacrificial lamb here represented as your shield now, as your door. And what they used to do is they used to have to constantly maintain their shield. And the way they did that is they used to get olive oil and they used to put olive oil over this again and again and again because this needed to be supple and it needed to be soft, otherwise it would crack. So they constantly oiled their shields, constantly. And you know the other thing they used to do? is they used to get their whole shield and they'd soak the whole thing into water. Because when the enemy attacked them with the arrows, and what they used to do back then is right on the tip of the arrow, they'd have this fiery little piece that either exploded when it hit you or it was firing on the way. So it meant if this was soaked in water, it's going to be extinguished. It's going to be quenched by the water. So that's what it looks like in the physical. Now take it into your spiritual life and in your spiritual walk. What do we have to do? We have to take the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the oil. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being the oil. And we have to cover our shield constantly in the Holy Spirit. And the way we do that is to pray in the Spirit. Every single day. If you don't, your shield will get cracked and it won't be effective. So we must pray in the spirit to oil our shield if we want our shield of faith to extinguish the arrows. If you want to overcome, if you want to be victorious, if you want to stand up for Jesus, if you want to make a difference for him, we've got to keep coating our shield with the oil of the Holy Spirit. But it also needs to be soaked in the water to extinguish the arrows. And the water is the washing and the cleansing of the word of God. So we've got to do that. How? By meditating on it day and night, day and night, like a tree planted next to a stream, constantly feeding on water, constantly grounded and rooted in Jesus. That's a shield that is going to be able to extinguish all the arrows. Every single one. So, Brandon, have you been listening? Okay, come down here and let me test you. Okay, Brandon, you have three choices for your shield. This is gorgeous. It is so pretty. 
In fact, it's just your colour. Let me just check. Mmm, nice. Smells gorgeous. This is beautiful. Maybe there's a girl in the room you could give it to. This one, now this one, because you're so smart, this will work because you're just such a smart fella and this one will make you look even smarter. Or you can have this very unattractive, scratched up, looks like it's been to war 50 times, table on its side, which looks ridiculous. Which one? Mm-hmm. have to go at the door. Okay, um, where would you stand, do you think, to make that effective? Would you just look at it from a distance, love that shield over there, hug it, stand next to it? Where would you stand if you want to be protected from the evil, evil one? From the, the side to the evil. Uh-huh, so where's that? Where's the opposite side to the evil one? I want you to remember that question he asked. Or the, the, the answer to that question, you stand opposite to where the evil one is. That's smart. So perhaps you should stand there because you never know when the evil one's going to come out. I never know when I'm going to get hit by my son. So that's probably not a bad idea. All right, let's move on to slide nine. Do you want to get hit? Well, where should you stand? Okay. So we'll put that there where it looks pretty. What we need to understand, this shield of faith is God. The Old Testament continuously talks about God is our shield. He is our fortress. He is our rock. This is God taking the arrows, not you. So understand our shield of faith, the lambskin. This is Jesus, the sacrificed lamb of God. He fought the biggest battle on the cross. And the biggest battle was to conquer sin. So he's done it. And he's saying, I can do it again for you on a day-to-day basis. So this is Jesus. The oil is the Holy Spirit and the water is, is God himself. So we have the three, pers- the three persons of the Trinity in our shield if we are prepared to keep receiving the shield of faith. It's not about feeling faith in our feelings or faith in our works. It's faith in God. That's who the shield is in you if you want to be effective. So, Brandon, I've got to say, I I thought this was a pretty good choice of yours to choose this particular shield. Is it doing a good job protecting you? Okay. I think it's doing a pretty good job protecting you, but a mighty fine choice. How's it going so far? Are you feeling safe? Uh-huh. Are you feeling safe? Hmm. You're looking pretty safe there to me. Yeah, that's a really good choice. Oh! Brandon, are you safe? You're not safe. Brandon, why aren't you safe? that you were on the right side of the shield remember I asked him and I said remember his answer to my question he said you've got to stand opposite um well what's the problem I thought you said that you'd be fine here because the devil attacks you that way well yeah you don't exactly know where the devil comes from aha uh-huh. well done thank you Brandon you've got to give him a round of applause and thank you 
You see, our shields are meant to be connected. We're not meant to be alone sheep out there. Because you know what happens to the lost sheep when they're not part of the rest of the group with the shepherd. You see, we're meant to be in a body, in a church, in a group. And all of our shields together will protect us no matter what direction the adversary decides to fire the flaming arrows from. So you see, in a church body, we are protected every single angle. This is not a lone walk. This is not an independent, look at me, my shield's pretty good because I'm doing all right. It is not about that at all. It's not pride, it's not independence from God and it's not independence from each other. We're meant to be together with the shepherd, helping each other, connected with each other, protecting each other with our shields of faith. Because, you know, if I put my shield of faith down, then there's a way in for the adversary to the person next to me. And if you put your shield of faith down, that's going to be a way in for maybe me or the person next to you. So we've got to understand the choices we make not only affect us, it affects the entire body that we were baptised into all over the world. What you do affects what happens back in Africa. What people do in Africa affects us. We've got to understand that. So we've got to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. You know, we were born again by the word of God. We were born again by his Holy Spirit. That saved our souls in the great battle. Our daily battle means going back to those two same ingredients. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the beautiful oil of the Holy Spirit. And that's being washed in the word of God. We need to go back and do what we did way back when we were born again. When Jesus overcame the devil for us on the cross. We've got to say, why are we drifting from him now and thinking that we can overcome the devil without him now? It doesn't make any sense. In fact, it's foolish. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by your works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? We began our walk. We were born again by grace through faith. We've got to keep the shield of faith up. We've got to keep going back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I believe you. I'm praying to you. I'm reading your word to understand what you are saying to me today and I have faith in what you say in me today and that's how I overcome the battle today. Just like when we were born again and said, thank you, Jesus, for fighting this battle. I have faith in what you did for me. We're going to say every day, thank you, Jesus, for what you continue to do for me. I have faith in what you're doing for me today. Not I can do this on my own and I don't like your way, Jesus, and it seems too hard and, oh, but I'm having a horrible time and I'm not feeling like I really want to do it today. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with faith in what Jesus does for us today, just like he did on the cross. He doesn't change. We do.
Why do we become foolish? Colossians says the same thing. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We receive him when we're born again. Now let's walk with him in faith. Rooted and build up in him and established in the faith. This shield is rooted and grounded in Jesus. That's why it's stable. That's why we can't push it over. That's why nothing will get to you through his shield, because it's him taking the hits. Why do we step out and think that we can take the hits without him? I don't know. Apart from the fact that we have an adversary that wants to con us, that wants to deceive us, and he, he's actually quite successful if we pick up any other shield but this one. We've got to be so careful not to pick up any other shield. So in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. With which you can. That's actually from the word dunamis. With which you can means so you have power to do this. We have power through his power. That's how we overcome. And the flaming, the word flaming in the Greek, it's translated fiery. But it also means this. It also means the emotions. That's why we've got to watch for the psychopaths. That's why we've got to watch for people that want to manipulate our emotions. That's why we've got to watch any vehicle, any, any vehicle the devil chooses to use to get to us via our emotions because the flame on the arrow is directed directly to your emotions. If he can get your emotions and try and play with you that way, he'll be happy. We've got to be so careful. Are emotions bad? No. I'm not saying emotions are bad. God has emotions, so they must be good. What I'm saying is the arrow, and oftentimes the arrow are words that people will say to you, or the arrows are words that you're saying to yourself in the form of a thought. You just got to be careful with where those words are directed, what words you're listening to, where you're going to for the words that you allow into your mind because some of them have a barb on the end of them and they'll be looking for an emotion to get into you to deceive you, to undermine you. So be careful. Don't think that words aren't powerful. They are incredibly powerful. But the word of God's more powerful. We just need to make sure we're continuously in his word to fight those words with the barb on them. So I've got a cartoon here because, as you know, I read the cartoons in the paper and I found this one which reminded me of something. So the psychologist is saying to this young man with a Nerf gun, Whoa, Tommy, use your words! The adversary doesn't need to be told to use his words. He's already doing that with you. He's shooting those arrows and they're in the form of words. Don't be deceived by the words. They'll have a tiny little tip, a fiery tip, which is looking for an emotion. This is happening all the time and we don't even know it. I want to read for you now a poem, a poem that talks about this idea of how sometimes insidious and gentle and smooth and charming these words can be. It's called The Church in the World. 
It's a really long poem. I've only got the first two stanzas, but you'll get the idea. The church and the world walked far apart on the changing shore of time. The world was singing a giddy song, the church a hymn sublime. Come give me your hand, cried the merry world, and walk with me this way. But the good church hid her snowy hand and solemnly answered nay. I will not give you my hand at all, and I will not walk with you, for your way is the way of eternal death, and your words whoa, and your words are all untrue. Nay, walk with me but a little space, said the world with a kindly air. The road that I walk is a pleasant road, and the sun shines always there. Your way is narrow and thorny and rough, while mine is flowery and smooth. Your lot is sad with reproach and toil, but in circles of joy I move. This way, as you see, is broad, fair one. My gate is high and wide. There is room enough for you and me to travel side by side. It's smooth, isn't it? It sounds pleasant. It sounds innocuous. It sounds like just some nice, kind, soothing words. Inviting, charming, enticing. We've got to understand the power of words. We've got to understand that often it's the words that are the arrow that are coming for us. We've got to fight the good fight of faith. That's what we need to do. And this word fight, this means resist. If we resist the devil, he will flee. We've got to fight. We've got to resist him with all of our worth. But you know this word fight, it really becomes clear when we look at two other passages in the scripture that use that same Greek word fight. The first one is here down the bottom. Oh, it's been cut off. It comes from Colossians 4.12. Ephesus, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer. That's the Greek word fight. So when we're meant to be fighting the good fight, we're meant to be wrestling in prayer. He is always wrestling for prayer for you. He is always wrestling for prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured there's that beautiful flower of assurance there's that feeling of assurance that we're looking for you see the assurance is not the means to faith the assurance is the result of faith it's the result of wrestling and prayer it's the result of going to the oil it's the result of going to hit the water of his word that's what we're looking for that beautiful sense of assurance everything's okay with god even in the middle of a storm but it's the result of faith it's not the means to get there it's not holding on to that assurance thinking that that flower of assurance is going to get you through let's look at the second verse I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying. That's the word fight again. To join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. You see, Paul's asking us to join together, to connect all our shields of faith. So together 
we can overcome. Together we can be victorious. But we must come back to the oil and the water. We've got to constantly be praying in the spirit to oil our shield and we've got to constantly be washing ourselves in the word, soaking ourselves in the word. So that that water is totally soaking that shield. It will quench the fiery arrows when they come at us. Let's stand and pray. Lord Jesus, we, we come to you today with humble hearts. Lord, we just want to receive your word with meekness. We don't want to argue with your word. We don't want to resent your word. We want to receive your word, Lord Jesus. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to be open to your word. Help us change our attitude. Change our attitude of ag of being just so arrogant, of being so sure of ourselves, of looking to ourselves to somehow stand up against the devil when we know that we will just wilt if we look to our own emotions. We know that we will just wilt if we try and pick up our works and use that to fight. Lord Jesus, may we only ever glorify you with the fruits, Lord Jesus. We want to glorify you with the works. Lord Jesus, help us to get this right. Change our hearts, Lord Jesus. Make our hearts open to you and soft to you, to listen to your word, to never turn our backs to your word, to come to you first thing in the morning, Lord Jesus, to understand our whole life is only possible because of you. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving us eternal life for what you did on the cross. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came with your Holy Spirit and implanted your word in our heart. Help us to go back to your word and make that root go deeper into you, Lord Jesus, so that we don't get pushed, we don't get shoved, that we stand firm against the enemy, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, to do that. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Now help us to come back to you so we can have abundant life with you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your beautiful, beautiful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.